to self-care. I'm Jen, lifestyle YouTuber and your host of this podcast, where we dive deep with insightful guests to find out how self-care has played a role in their success. Welcome to our community. And welcome back to our community. Yes, this is Jen, despite how different I sound. (laughs) I have lost my voice. If you follow me on social media, you know that I was in Nashville for one of my best friends since I was very little's bachelorette parties. And it was the time of our lives. And we had so much fun, but I lose my voice so easily. So three days of drinking and talking nonstop and screaming and clubbing will do that to you. (laughs) So I'm going to make this intro kind of short because of that, because I feel like it's annoying to listen to. And I'm not, I haven't even had coffee yet today. I slept in. I landed last night. This episode was supposed to go out this morning. It is now going out this afternoon. I am a mess. So (laughs) I will have some Nashville vlogs up on YouTube. I think one big one. And then I'm going to be filming like a reset recovery vlog that I started today. So If you haven't subscribed on YouTube yet, just know I've been kind of turning into a vlog channel, like just vlogging nonstop and starting a new one when I end the last one. And you could just follow along my life. And it's been fun. If you also are watching on Spotify video right now, I got yellow nails for the first time ever. And I highly recommend they're so cute. Okay. Quickly, because it hurts to talk in alignment going on this bachelorette trip, having an excuse to finally go on a trip with my high school friends, just had the time of our lives, like off social media, just quality time with some of my best friends. There's, there is nothing like girl time, honestly, just like sitting on the rooftop and chatting for hours. Like you don't get that time in your day-to-day life. So that was amazing. Out of alignment, I got diagnosed with SIBO which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, you know that I've been dealing with such a journey with my stomach. And most of me is super relieved to have something to actually treat and antibiotics. And it's going to take about a year to heal, which is the frustrating part. But I have a label. I know what I'm treating. Like I know that there's treatment and healing to be had. So I'm really happy about it. But of course, it's bittersweet because between my stomach and just my voice right now and all the healing that I need to do even just this week. It's overwhelming, but we always get to the other side. So I'm excited. Let's breathe in what was in alignment for us this week. Breathe out what was out of alignment for us this week. (sighs) Oh my God. It is like, I feel like I'm running out of breath so easily. Our guest of this week is someone I've been waiting for this episode to come out because so many people ask me about therapy, about CBT therapy, all of it. And I have Ariel Azaroff on. She is a psychotherapist in New York and New Jersey, and she's a speaker. And she specializes in anxiety, depression, self-acceptance, healing relationships. She specializes in helping clients work through anxiety and depression using cognitive behavioral therapy, which helps one understand his or her thoughts and feelings and how they impact your behavior. So she helps you find a way to gain control of your life and find the inner strength to navigate and cope with the struggles that come your way. So we talk about it all. We talk about boundaries, setting healthy boundaries and how, like getting super specific, family during the holidays, CBT's approach to anxiety, actual anxiety tactics, self-esteem, self-worth, listening to your inner voice and strengthening our intuition, and then like how to find the right therapist, how to know if the therapist is right for you, all of those like nitty gritty things, how to know if you should do CBT or talk therapy, just like 
really all of it. It was such an eye-opening conversation that I've been so excited to share with you guys. So before we head into that, quick reminder that we now have a group that so many of you have joined already in the Geneva platform where we can chat about our self-care tips, what was in alignment and out of alignment for you guys this week, just all of it. So go head over there. I'm running out of breath. Can't wait for you to listen to this episode. And without further ado, let's speak with Ariella. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. I've been wanting to have not only a therapist, but specifically also a CPT therapist on here for a long time because I have so many questions and I know a bunch of people in the community do as well. So I'm really excited that you're here. And before we get into all of that, I just have to ask your top self-care tip that has played a role for your success. Ooh, top self-care kit. That means I have to choose one. That is so hard to do. <laughs> we can dive into all of them in this entire uh, episode, but what's your what's your like go-to self-care tip? Top self-care tip. The truth is, is that I see health and mental health as one. And mm-hmm. um, so my self-care tip has been my um, Equinox membership and making exercise a, a core part of my routine, of my daily routine. Um, so I say Equinox specifically, this is not an ad (laughs) because the whole experience of the steam room and getting a juice after and a good yoga class or bar or Pilates just rejuvenates. And it's kind of my, it's how I refresh. So that is my self-care tip is take care of your, your body and your mind. I totally get that. I used to belong to Equinox. I had like this big corporate discount and it was like the all access and I was it was imperative to my mental health when it came to working a nine to five, like pre pandemic sitting at my desk all day. I was like, I need to start or end my day in a class with this bright lighting, go to the steam room, like just the routine of it. And really it just sounds like this tip is investing in your health. Yes. Yes. It's such a good investment, especially, especially that it's so bright. Like I always want to, my boyfriend goes to crunch and he's like, there's so much more space here and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if I ever belong to a gym again, I just, I think it needs to be Equinox. I need like yes. the bright, the big windows and the bright lighting. Like it's just a completely different vibe. It's treating yourself, you know, so self-care can mean so many things, but when you enter any space that rejuvenates and refuels you, you know, that's, that is self-care. Self-care is how do I take care of myself? Totally. Exactly. I love that. Okay. Let's just dive right in. I want to start by asking, what is CBT therapy? Like, I, I've heard this buzzword. I know friends that swear by it. And anytime I try to explain it to someone, I'm like, you know what? I need to just bring someone on who can actually explain it because I've never done it myself. So take it away. Yes. So, okay, we're diving in. So CBT stands for (laughs) Cognitive Behavior Therapy. So what it really means is if you kind of imagine a triangle, right? And at the top of the triangle are your thoughts, the side triangle are your feelings, and the other side of the triangle are your behaviors. So Cognitive Behavior Therapy is this um, school of thought in psychology that all of our behaviors stem from our feelings, and all of our feelings stem from the way that we think. 
So when we understand that our thoughts are really the essential part of our functioning, and when we take a really good look at the thoughts that we feed ourselves, the thinking traps that we fall into, that's really what fuels the way that we feel, and the way that we feel really fuels the way that we behave. So CBT is, is, is really important to, I believe, to healthy functioning and mental health because we have to really take a good look at the way that we think about things. You know, and in CBT, there's different thinking traps, as I said, and the best way to describe it is kind of, does anyone remember that video game Mario, right, where he has to jump over, mm -hmm. kind of, there's all these different, like, loopholes that he could fall into, and the goal is to kind of jump over, right? So, so CBT believes that when you fall into that thinking trap of either catastrophizing, right, thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I always fail, or I'll never do this, or I'll never accomplish this, or black and white thinking, right, thinking um, everything is either all good or all bad, I, I ate so bad or I ate so good, right, um, labeling, con you know, drawing conclusions, assumptions, there are many different types of, of thinking traps that we fall into that really shapes our reality or our narrative or our thoughts about something in our lives. And CBT comes to kind of crystallize and clear out the negative thoughts to replace them with more helpful thoughts to your functioning. So it's essentially changing your thought patterns to then change the behavior, which is really the end result. And then it sounds like you become less reactive. Well, it's a good question. It's a good question because a lot of times with that triangle, right, analogy, mm -hmm. if, if there's a certain behavior um, that somebody is feeling, exactly. So if they're very reactive, let's say somebody's lashing out at their family, right? No, no one, no millennials ever do that, right? right? If somebody <laughs> has a behavior, guilty, we all are, right? If somebody has a certain behavior that isn't servicing them, you want to kind of pull back and see, okay, well, how are you feeling? You know, a lot of times they say anger is really sadness with the volume turned up right? So when you're reactive and you're coming off as angry, we want to look at what are you feeling? And if you're really feeling sad, once you open that up, you want to look at, okay, so what are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I'm just making this up, you know, my family doesn't appreciate me, or my family doesn't hear me, or I don't have a voice, right? So when you're thought, when you, when you have a certain thought about your family, or about your position or your role in the family, that's going to make you feel a certain way, and when you feel sad, it's going to come off as anger. So you're reactive. Yeah, so exactly. So CBT is, it allows you to start at many different places. It could be, it could start with a behavior that isn't helping you in your life. It could start with a feeling, oh, I'm just so down. I'm feeling so sad. And we have to go back to understanding, well, what are the thoughts behind that? How, how am I viewing my life? That's really interesting. It, it seems like as opposed to talk therapy, so this is another question I wanted to ask you. It sounds like it's still talk therapy, but there's more of, I don't know what the word is, but like a strategy behind it, or there's more of like a tangible method, I guess, behind it as opposed to just talking it out. So would you say there's like an exact method that you go through and you like identify the thought patterns or the issue and then you move through a certain method within that? Yeah. So CBT is interesting. It is talk therapy, but there is, and don't get triggered by this word, but there is homework sometimes, right? In the sense <laughs> of really keeping, I have my clients keep a thought diary at times, right? What are, what are core thoughts that keep coming up for me? 
right? A lot of times you could look at automatic thought patterns. And what I have my clients do is I, I have them notice just automatic thoughts and then rate them, right? From zero to 10, zero being totally unbelievable and 10 being very true. How much do I believe this thought, right? And then once you rate the thought, you, you identify the negative core belief or the core thought that you're having, right? You rate it, how true is this thought? And then you combat it, right? So if you think of three different columns, then you combat, okay, so I'm having this negative thought. What's a different thought I can put in place to combat the negative thought? And the, the reason why homework is, is helpful in a sense is because it kind of conditions you to think about, well, hold on, I have to think about things differently. And you want to start becoming, you want to make it a habit to catch yourself when you have these negative thoughts. So you can kind of observe them and you don't attach. You know, that's another piece of it is the mindfulness work of really understanding that you aren't your thoughts, right? When we become observers of thoughts, we don't attach them and we attach them. You know, when you think of like when you get a message, I don't know if you have an iPhone, when you get a text and you kind of scroll it, you, you slide it down, right? Then you're kind of inviting it in, you're looking at it. But when you allow yourself to kind of scroll it or swipe it away, it's not for now, right? That's kind of the, the, the place that we want to get into of creating a habit of just swiping thoughts away or taking a look at them and saying, hold on, let me look at if I really believe in this thought and if I don't, what can I replace it with? Okay, so I'm going to get vulnerable for a second because I think putting a tangible example here will be helpful. So little story time. My first therapy session with my current therapist, it was like a month before the pandemic, not even. Like I met her three times in person and then lockdown happened. Now it's been Zoom. But I remember the first time meeting her, she was like asking me about my boyfriend and I said, you know, I love New York and I just feel like one day inevitably just to get a sense for who he is, like he hates the city, he loves nature. And I was like, inevitably one day we're going to have to argue or discuss like, you know, him wanting to move and me wanting to stay here. And she was like, well, would you ever want to move? And my response was, and I truly felt this in the depths of my soul, I could never move or leave New York. My family would fall apart. And I wasn't just saying that, like, I genuinely believed if I leave, everyone individually and as a unit will fall apart. And since then, I don't know how long have we been in the pandemic, two and a half years or so. Yeah. I've done so much work that now I don't feel that at all to the point where sometimes I even I'll be in a family situation and I'll take a back seat because I'm like, I don't always need to be fixing everything and everyone like let's. I do not need to be the fixer here. And maybe I'm, you know, putting some of that pressure on myself. So I'm curious if I came to you and was like, my family would fall apart if I moved. I have to stay here forever, even if I want to move one day. As an example, how would you approach that? Because that does sound like that thought pattern that you were talking about, where it's like this extreme thought that you really believe to be true. Yes. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that example, because I'm sure there are people listening who are like, yes, Jen, me too. Right. <laughs> like I totally yeah. identify with it. And I think especially with, you know, millennials and young professionals in your twenties, you know, I, I call it the emerging adult because in a sense, you're really emerging from, you're not a kid, you're not a teenager, right. You're, you're moving through life. You're taken seriously. You have a job, right. You have, you're in a relationship. Some, some people, right. Or you're dating, you're trying to be in a relationship and you're, you're trying to emerge into this adult being of taking yourself seriously. 
And in a sense, you're very exposed in a way of it's, and I appreciate your being vulnerable because so this is the age I, I specialize with, because I think that it's such a, a crucial time of looking at something I call core beliefs. Not I call psychology calls core beliefs. Yeah. And I like to think of it, I use a lot of analogies. I like to think of it as like our prescription in the world, right? So when you go to like Warby Parker, lens crafters, right? And they take your prescription, right? To, to, to create glasses for you, for you to be able to see better, right? That's your prescription. So our core beliefs, in a nutshell, are really um, the lens in which we view the world based on our experiences, based on our childhood. So if you were to come to me, Jen, and uh, many, many millennials come to me with this, right? This, this fear, Right. I fear. First of all, we have to label it as a fear. Something can feel so factual. Like, no, my family will fall apart. Period. Like I you cannot convince me otherwise, Ariella. Right. I would get more. I would first of all start from this place. of Okay, that's a fear. Right. I fear that if I leave, this will happen. You know, sometimes when we just label things as a fear, it's not there's not as uh, it's not as final. There's not that finality to it that this will happen. No, this is a fear. That's the cog. That's the CBT piece. Right. This is a thought. But the piece that I would get curious, and it sounds like your your therapist has done amazing work and you've done work as well, that you can kind of veer off of not seeing that as factual. You know, you'd want to get really, I would want to get curious of what is your role within the family? Are you the peacemaker? Are you the caretaker, right? Are you the person that people just rely on? And if so, how do we create boundaries for yourself of being present and loving them and having this intention of, of taking care and caring for and at the same time, creating space for boundary of you emerging into your own adult life, right? What is best for me while I care for them? Yeah, I think boundaries is such, it's honestly a hot topic right now. I feel like everyone's wanting to create boundaries and how do we do it in a way that's healthy and where I don't sound like a complete bitch that's like, sorry, no. Like you, like it's it's so hard, especially I know, Actually, when I posted on my Instagram saying that you were coming on and if anyone has questions, someone was like, how to set boundaries around the holidays. So it sounds like the boundaries really come in specifically with family because they're our family. They're not going anywhere. We want so badly, no matter what happens to be. I feel like everyone has an innate desire to be close with their family and to, you know, cultivate a close relationship regardless of any issues that there are within you know the dynamics which I think means you need boundaries because for me I felt that if I started setting boundaries I would come off as a bitch or we'd be less close or I would spend less time with them and then the intrusive thoughts comes in with like you know, one day I'm going to wish I spent more time with them and then we spiral or I spiral. So I'm curious how you, how, what your approach to setting those healthy boundaries are and like, what are some examples of, you know, situations or things that people can say that you find helpful for your clients? Uh, boundaries, I think, is one of my favorite <laughs> topics truly to talk about. Perfect. And, you know, I don't know when this will be aired but you know for some people we're in the middle of Passover which is a lot of holiday time for some people it's Easter you know whatever religion or whatever holiday you celebrate or don't right there's 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 always holidays that we move through or family occasions or birthdays or celebrations and this is something that we always I think it should be a hot topic in a sense like I'm I'm happy that it is because it's so important 
you know, I, so on my Instagram page, I, I, do, I post these like little quotes um, from, I try to often consistently, and I posted something the other week, and I think it resonated with people that boundaries is really a way of saying, I care about you, and I care about me too, right? That I think that we, we sometimes think that ah, this, this extreme, there's a, we live in an extreme world, right? It's, it's a, there's a lot of black and white. I ate good, I ate bad. I was good today, I was bad today. Like, what does that mean, right? Good and bad fuels shame and guilt, and those are two emotions that never propel us forward. And I think that in a sense, also when it comes to family time, again, it d- depends on the toxicity and the level of, of, you know, mental health and health in the family. But a lot of times there's this notion that we always have to be together and we always have to be available and always, 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 right? And there's an extreme to that. And there's this fear that when I put up boundaries, as you said, will I come off as a bitch or will I come off as selfish? And I think that that I think for sure the wellness world on social media at least is doing a really good job of taking the the pressure off and reducing the stigma around boundaries don't make you selfish, right? They mean that you care about yourself, right? Whenever we do anything for too long, right? Whether it's no one no one feels good after you eat a whole full chocolate cake. No one feels good after just spending the whole day at the gym. We have to do everything in moderation. So when we think about it emotionally, we also want to show up for our families in a sense in moderation. And what I mean by that is that you need to create boundaries and and hard start and stop times and breaks for you to be the best you. You know, so when you're home in family time, and we can get more specific, what does that look like? You know, when your family's sitting around on the couch and you're feeling like there's a topic that was brought up that you need a break from, you know, do you just lash out in that moment like, oh, I can't talk about this, right? Or do you take a moment and do you step away? And do you take a walk and do you, do you go to your room, right? If someone's bringing up a topic that feels uncomfortable for you, do you say thank you so much for asking, but you know what, I don't, I don't really feel... I don't really feel I want to discuss this right now. Or do you just discuss it because this family talks about anything and everything? So sometimes it really only takes one to really break that intergenerational pattern of, of behaviors. I feel like I'm talking a lot. But there's a, there's a, there's a lot do. there. Please <laughs> do. There's a lot there because yeah. it's, boundaries are not selfish. Boundaries are a way of showing up for the people that you care about and showing up for the most important person in the room, which is yourself. And when I personally feel my best, I am nicer to everyone around me. I'm less reactive. So instead of giving my, I've learned my full 100% self and all of my time to others, I've learned I am a better friend. I'm a better daughter, a better sister, whatever it is to those people when I have had the time to myself. And I also like, I like how you mentioned the very specific boundaries of like, I'm going to walk away or I'm going to say, Oh, I'm not actually not talking about this, but like, thank you for asking. So, cause I think it gets a little murky with, it's like, yeah, I know I need boundaries, but like how, and what does that mean? And what does that look like? So thank you for giving those like very specific examples. Well, yeah. Cause I think also Jen, a big part of it is that as an emerging, as a millennial, as an emerging adult, you know, you, you're, you're, you're trying to take yourself seriously. So I always talk about this with my clients. Like there's imposter syndrome at work, right? There's imposter syndrome in relationships and dating. And there's for sure imposter syndrome when it comes to your, your family of origin, right? Your family of like, hold on, what does that mean? Like, I, I don't have to answer something they're asking me, right? My uncle, my 
my snooty uncle at the, at the table is asking me all about my dating life and I don't have to answer him even if he wants to know. No. You know, so I think a part of it is that when you place down, when you place boundaries in your family, you're also allowing yourself to be taken seriously, right? So I, I was just talking about this in a session with a client the other day that she did something similar to this where she had said, you know what, thank you so much for asking. I don't feel comfortable talking about it. And she walked mm -hmm. away and she literally went to the bathroom and she's like, who the hell am I? Like, what did I just do? And she kind of like, you can't see me, but she kind of snapped for herself. Like, yeah, you just did that. And that is self-care as well, to be honest, because you're saying, I take myself seriously. And I always say that your relationship with yourself is, it starts with you. Before you get into a relationship with a significant other or your family, you have to take yourself seriously, right? And that's why therapy is so important. And we're not selling therapy here, but having that parking space really it's like a parking lot therapy is that like hard pause to your week i always say therapy helps you get through life cleaner and you're assessing and you're looking at all the different parts of your life and you're learning how to take yourself seriously so when you create space to kind of put that boundary down for yourself you're showing that my 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 privacy is important i can't i'm not i'm not in a space i just want to answer anybody's questions yeah, it's a confidence booster too. Like the fact that she went into the bathroom and felt so good about myself. I have felt the most confident I've ever felt. And you're right. I'm realizing now because I I moved home during the pandemic and boundaries was a huge thing that I needed to work through. And now it's gotten to a point where my friends literally call me the boundaries queen because they say I set boundaries so well and not in like it doesn't come off negatively. And I worked really hard on it. And you're right. I've never taken myself more seriously in the best way. Not in like, a, like we don't want to take ourselves too seriously, but I just feel so much more confident as a person. And I feel like it strengthened my inner voice too. Like I feel like I, I can actually listen to my gut feelings of like, oh no, 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 <laughs> you don't want to answer that. Or you don't want to be in this room right now. Or you actually don't want to go out, even though everyone's convincing you to. Like, I can listen to my gut and be like, all right, I clearly really want to stay in. So how can I approach this in the kindest way possible to serve myself and not hurt anyone's feelings by saying, I'm actually going to stay in tonight. I'm not going to go out. And that's been a huge thing I've been navigating. And I'm curious, how do you get to a point or how do you, you know, allow your clients to navigate getting to the point where you can listen to that inner voice and like deciphering between is this a healthy gut feeling or is this like anxiety and an intrusive thought and I should just like not trusting your gut? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Trusting your gut. I just did a podcast <laughs> on that the other week. It was so much fun. That's like my favorite topic. And oh, I'm let's get into it. I'm thinking like, okay, well, how's that like fun? So Wow, there's so much here. So first of all, I think the first important piece is to really understand why we people please, right? So just negating ourselves and doing what others want is people pleasing. And people pleasing is actually a trauma symptom, right? People pleasing often comes from a space of if you grew up in a home where there's a lot of chaos and you just wanted things to kind of stay okay, chill, you want to keep things at bay. You don't want there to be chaos, right? You, t you fall into this pattern of people pleasing, of doing whatever anyone is asking of you, even if you don't want to, because you just want to keep the peace at bay, right? You don't want it to become a, a chaotic environment again, right? You want to keep it. I see you're nodding. Does that resonate? That right? resonates. It resonates so much with me. That's like the bulk of my therapy is breaking free of this. As I mentioned before, like this 
feeling of like, oh no, I need to do exactly what everyone wants me to do or there will be no peace. And I've created this extremity in my head and you're right, that's exactly why. It's just because my whole life, it's been like, don't rock the boat. It's already rocked enough. Like, don't rock the boat, keep the peace. Don't do anything that would give anyone else any anxiety. So that resonates very much so. So first of all, it's really about it. Now, before we go to healing it, we have to understand it, right? I always right. say you have to like feel hard, hurt hard, and then you heal hard, right? So first you just have to acknowledge, like, where is this coming from? Why do I do this? Oh, okay. Growing up, and sometimes we have to go back, right? Everything stems from childhood. I am not a psychoanalytic therapist, so I don't believe sitting on the couch and going through your whole childhood in detail is as needed. I think sometimes we have to draw back and reflect back just to make connections to why do I function or think the way I do today, right? It all stems from our childhood. So I think a first part of it is that you really want to look at, okay, well, why do I do this, right? Was And it doesn't have to mean that you you went through significant trauma. It could just mean that home was chaotic. Maybe there were a lot of children. Maybe your parents didn't get along or they fought a lot, right? So you thought that you just taking things on was the way that they would get along. And then when they got along, right, the, the home was just more peaceful. So first you really want to look at why do I do this? Why do I fall into this? What are my fears, right? If I say no, what do I fear? That they'll be mad at me, right? That everything will fall apart, right? What is what is my fear if I if I say no? And then once you're really able to identify, okay, this is like exactly how you said, Jen, like that was a fear. Once you're able to identify what the fear is, then you could really break it down. Okay, so this is my fear. It's not so realistic. And also it doesn't all fall on me, right? When I say no, it's like creating space for someone else. It's a fence of protecting myself. And you said it best. Again, as millennials, as young emerging adults, you want to evolve into the adult version of you. So when we're talking about being home, either for your holiday or, you know, just home family time, you want to bring the adult version of you to the table. And the adult version of you isn't always available, right? You're not always available to your boss or to your significant other, right? Or to your friends. There are times that you're just not available. So we want to bring that home also. So when you go back to your home, you want to be that that evolved adult version. You don't want to be the reactive child or the child that just takes on everything. So boundaries, in a sense, helps you take yourself seriously, right? It's for sure a confidence booster. And it also is creating the separation of I'm not always available or this doesn't always fall on me. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me how intertwined all of this was. Like it just came right back to boundaries, honestly, when we're talking about trusting your gut and it really is all so intertwined and I'm I've just popped into my head I hear a lot that people who really struggle with anxiety and like almost debilitating anxiety go to CBT and it's helped them I have friends that they say like it changed their life so where does that come into play is it just I something my therapist told me that really helped me was anxiety comes from feeling out of control so I've learned like bringing it back to what we were just talking about, like I can only control what I can control. I can't control other people's reactions to my actions. So I can't just like keep holding on, trying to keep the peace in hopes that they won't react a certain way. It's like I can only go off my own gut of what I want to do to make me happy in life. I can't control how someone else in my family or whomever might react. So I feel like that has really helped me with anxiety, just understanding that concept. 
But in CBT, is it more conceptual or do you have like specific techniques that you teach people to help cope with anxiety when maybe a panic attack's coming on or they're just can't get through the day because they feel it so much in their chest or however they feel it? Yes, yes. I love everything you're saying. First of all, worrying is a way that we try to attain control, right? We think that if we worry and I freak out and I ruminate, that's a way of me being in control. I'm worrying, right? It's exactly that. Anxiety comes from being so out of control. It's stepping into the unknown, right? We get anxious before going home because we're not sure how everything's going to play out, right? We get anxious before an interview because we don't know how it's going to go. We get anxious before our first date because we don't know how it's going to go, right? All the anxiety comes up when coming from this place of unknown because you're out of control. So as humans, we want to be in control, right? And I think especially, oh my gosh, 2022, everything with the click of a finger, it's like there's a hundred apps that you could get ice cream at your door in five minutes, right? Like there's like everything is so instantaneous and we're so in control in so many ways. You need this, you go on Amazon. Like it's, it's crazy. I know at least in New York City, it's like there's so many apps that's like at your door in a second. So we're kind of conditioned of like we want something, we get it done. And I think that when it comes to mental health, and I think that's why a lot of people are seeking are seeking help now, um, because we, we notice we're, we're also so out of control. And worrying gives us the illusion to think that we're controlling a situation, but we're not. So let me state, so, so you're asking for good tips. So it's interesting, in the work that I do, um, I am a CBT therapist, but I also do a lot of somatic work, which is connecting to your body, right? So it's really finding a calm, comfortable seat where you put your feet on the floor, your back against the back of the chair, right? Your hands on your, your, your palms on your lap. And you just start by really noticing that your, your shoulders aren't shrugged up to your ears because that's where we hold our tension, right? Calm body. You start with a deep breath through your nose. You do it now with me. Exhale through your mouth, right? Almost imagine you have this like hot, I have one cup of coffee, right? You smell the coffee and then you blow on it, right? And that's kind of calming your body because when we calm our bodies, we calm our mind, right? A lot of times we hold a lot of tension in our neck because that's the space between our heart space, our hearts and our minds, our thoughts. And we're constantly in flow of thinking and feeling, thinking and feeling. And when we put our feet on the ground, we're grounding ourselves and we're grounding the thoughts. And that's what I tell my clients all the time. When you get this wave of panic or wave of anxiety or you're feeling like I I have my my clients connect to their bodies very often, where am I holding tension, right? So if I'm feeling really tense in my shoulders, yeah, massage might help. But we also need to connect, okay, what are we holding on to? There's a lot of control, right? There's different spaces in our body that we hold on to tension, which is reflected of different things. So for instance, when your jaw is feeling tense or, or tight, there's something you want to say right? When you're feeling tension between your eyebrows and your headspace, there's a lot of thoughts, right? So a lot of times, most of my clients feel so much tension in the shoulders and that's control. And what I have my clients do is we, and this is really somatic work, is that you speak to that tension and I have them kind of label, what is it that you feel you want to control? What feels out of control? And sometimes when you just label it and you hold that tension, we breathe through it and we talk to it, you notice that the tension decreases, right? And it might move somewhere else. That's somatic work. We want to work through the tension in the body. And you bring in this thought of of how do we know what is anxiety and what is gut? A lot of times, 
when people come to me with this, and this is so common, right? Especially I think it comes up with dating often or making big transitional moves, moving states, moving jobs, getting engaged, getting divorced, all the transitions. There's a lot of there's a lot of grief in transitions, right? And there's a lot of anxiety naturally that comes up. And that we really want to get in touch with the way that we get in touch with our gut is when our mind is settled. You know, the best non-physical compliment you could get is when somebody says, wow, you seem softer. You seem so at peace, right? There's like no better compliment, not weight loss, not beauty, not hair color, nothing, not tones. Like when somebody says you're softer or you're embodied or you're calm, that is the best compliment because when you're embodied and what I mean by embodied, I mean not too in your head, but like really grounded in this moment, kind of in that grounding kind of exercise I did with you just now. That's when you can connect to your gut. What is my inner gut telling me? Because we get so consumed by our thoughts and we can't hear ourselves. I love that. I I love everything that you just mentioned, even the somatic work. I've never heard of that before. And I am the shoulder queen when it comes to that. Like I'm just constantly having shoulder pain and like having to catch myself and roll my shoulders back because they're like up to my ears. So I'm definitely going to try that practice later and look more into it. That's really interesting that it comes from control. Oh my gosh. I notice Jen, like when you, when you kind of get tense, kind of like plop them down. Cause that's how we all kind of walk around. I do, yeah. but I do it too often every day. I'm like, Jen, release your shoulders. Like, why are they up to my ears? And I'm just sitting watching TV. Like I have to, I keep doing shoulder rolls back. So it's interesting. I like hearing that. I know that that's where I store my tension, but it's interesting hearing the control factor of it all. And I, I really love how you said the best compliment is when someone says you seem softer or more at peace, because I think in society today, and especially in, as you were mentioning, like emerging adults, it's like, we feel the need, especially as someone who lives in New York city to hustle, hustle, hustle. These are the years to like make it happen and work hard and to hear that actually the biggest compliment is when someone says you feel at peace instead of like oh wow you work so hard you don't sleep is really refreshing and so so true i'm canceling hustle culture it's canceled <laughs> i too live in new york city it's 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 so crazy and Brittany brown talks a lot about this that we live in a culture where rest is really frowned upon and mm-hmm. it's it's so sad. You know, I, I I think of so many of my clients that work in corporate and it's like, oh, I didn't even take lunch today. It's like, wait, why is that cool? Like why why are you right. proud of that? Right? Like why are you and your coworkers? That is that is not I, I feel happy though. I do I, I've heard from a few um clients that work in these new cool startups that they have something called like a wellness room and you could book yeah. it for twenty have you heard of that? I'm sure a bunch of listeners Yeah, all yeah. of these things are popping up more and more and like my company does now. I work part-time at a PR agency and they do one mental health day a quarter. So it's just a random Friday and you'll get a three-day weekend every once in a while. So I do feel, and thank God, I do feel one lovely thing that came from the pandemic was just the attention to not only flexibility but all and like work styles and that kind of thing, but also mental health. And if we're not feeling... Yes well and mentally healthy, we're not going to do good work for you as employees anyway. So it's nice to hear that more and more companies are waking up to that. I love that because it starts with you. You know, it starts with, it starts with the way that you treat yourself is the way that like when you, 
for example, I'm thinking of, of somebody I work with, a client who's a doctor, and we do a lot of the somatic mindfulness work. And he was saying, you know, it's so interesting. So many people are so reactive at work. And obviously, especially with a global pandemic, I mean, hospitals where it's like the highest tent, high, high, high stress job and turnover and burnout and all of that, you know, and mm-hmm. vicarious trauma just with all COVID patients. But what he was telling me was that there's so, so everybody is so reactive. And he was saying that if everybody were to kind of do mindfulness or, or, or engage in, in some type of self-care, you know, and I don't mean like, oh, go get yourself a manicure. Like that is also important, but like actively in the moment, like what are you doing to control yourself? Like you're reactive, you're lashing out, that's your stuff, but it's affecting everybody here. So it's, it's, it's so, it's so interesting as to, you know, when people kind of get a hold of themselves and, you know, if they book that 20 minute in that, in the meditation room, or, you know, if they book their therapy appointment during their lunch break, cause they know that will help them to kind of check it and whatever it is that they need. I just, it's so, I feel like we're going on a tangent, but it's all connected. It's so no, important. Those are to great kind tip. Of, it's so important. Yeah. To just have your, you have to catch yourself because it really starts yeah. with you, you know, in the way that, you know, if everyone can kind of think about their boss, right? Your boss really sets the tone of the workspace. And if they're not in a good place or if they're stressed or reactive, that's going to affect everybody. Yeah, I call it the toolbox. It's like you need to have, you need to try everything to see what works for you so that when you are feeling anxious or whatever the negative feeling might be, you have the tools that you know help you and bring you back down. And I think that's what, my biggest change has been over the last few years that I've been mentioning is implementing these mindfulness practices has allowed me to push past the intrusive thoughts and the anxiety and find my gut and my intuition. Exactly what you were just saying. It's like when we can be mindful and sit down for a sec and stop just like running around like chickens without their head and and trying to decipher our thoughts from our like gut and all of that. If we just quiet down I like how you mentioned just breathing earlier because breath work has changed my life in that sense. I just sitting down for a meditation was really hard for me as it should be, but having a breath exercise to do that physically changes how I feel has been life changing for me. So I love everything we've been talking about before we get into the ending segment. I do just want to ask you quickly your advice on how someone can find a therapist, how to, find the right therapist specifically? Yes. Oh, there's so many, so many options. First of all, I know it sounds funny, but Instagram, the wellness community truly on Instagram is so incredible yes. because when you want to find a therapist, right, you want to make sure that you, you, you are finding somebody that specializes in what you're struggling with, right? So if you're a millennial, if you want, if you're a young professional, you want someone that gets it, right? You want someone that gets your generation, that gets your struggles. And within that, you know, if you struggle with anxiety or depression or OCD, you want somebody that specializes or relationships, you want to be very cognizant of what they specialize in. So in terms of finding a therapist, I definitely would suggest to browse Instagram to see if your therapist is licensed in your state, if you're a therapist, if the therapist that you relate to is licensed in your state. If you feel like you 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 appreciate and you respect their content and what they're putting out there and that resonates with you. And if you're like, okay, I don't know where to start on Instagram, you can always go on psychology today 
and you go to find a therapist and you type in your zip code and you can even if you want insurance you could type in your insurance there's a filter your age your 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 presenting problem alma a l m a is an amazing platform as well um that that can help you find um a therapist i mean there's so there's so many i would start with those two psychology today and alma um and and instagram i do i think that i do i know it sounds funny but it's like it's an amazing i I know calls that i get it's kind of like you could skip you know what i look like you know what i sound like you know my thoughts you know my personality in a sense so it's kind of you skip all those um steps but i would also recommend just getting a few numbers or asking around and calling jump on a free 15 minute consult call and see if if you vibe in that way yeah, I think the consultation calls are key. So you're not just paying for a million sessions with different people. And I I love the Instagram tip because you're right. You can see what they look like, what their vibe is, what they specialize in, any graphics of advice that they already post out there. Does it resonate with you? So I think that's a great like new way to find a therapist. I yeah. love that tip. And then I have so many questions for you, but we're running out of time. But I did want to ask you two more things. One, how do you know if a therapist is right for you? What can someone look for? Because I do think it takes time to like fully, you know, connect with someone. So what are some like off the bat things to look for? Because I don't think you should give up maybe after the first session, but I want to hear your thoughts on like yes. how to know if someone's the right fit. Oh my gosh, Jen, this is like a whole podcast in itself, but to be I know. concise, <laughs> no, it's important. It's a really good question. First of all, I think you want to feel comfortable. And I want to make this very clear. Sometimes therapy is not comfortable. If it's new, it's hard to be vulnerable. If you've never been in therapy before, if you're conditioned to keep everything inside, it could be uncomfortable. But I think a number one um, key factor is to feel like, okay, I feel comfortable with this person and I feel understood and they get me. That is so important. And at the same time, you have to be giving them something, right? Like, we're not robots. I'm very human. <laughs> Therapists are human too, right? So the, the amount that you share or you put yourself out there, right, for your therapist, you want to then see, okay, are they getting me? You know, I have a new client I started with, and they told me the therapist they were working with before always brought it back to themselves. And I'm like, what? It's like not what it's supposed I've to be like. That. I've heard that more times than you would think, truly you could deeply validate and, and be present with your client without, it's not about me, right? This is your yeah. time, your money. I am here for you. So you want to look at, you want to look at really feeling understood. You want to look at really feeling safe and comfortable. They get me right. And they help me kind of crystallize how I'm feeling, or they help me articulate what I'm feeling. And I, and I, I do feel movement. You do want to feel movement in sessions, even if it takes a bunch of sessions to just crystallize a treatment plan. What am I here for? What do I need? But you want to feel understood and you want to feel comfortable. And if there are things, I want to make it very clear, if there are things that the therapist does that makes you uncomfortable, whether it's moving at a pace that's not comfortable for you or asking probing questions that feels like I've already voiced that I don't want to go there yet, right? It's important to mm-hmm. say to your therapist, you know what, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. And you want to feel respected, you know, you want to respect your, you want your therapist to respect you and you want to feel respected as well. And I think that's a big point is be honest with yourself. You don't have to stay in something that isn't working. Yeah. Cause I think people get very intimidated to, including myself to start with a new therapist and have to tell them your whole story all over again. And it takes months for them to really 
understand your past and it's intimidating, but I think that permission to listen to your gut and know when you're uncomfortable is really important. And and that leads me to what my last question was, breaking up with your therapist. I want to know as a therapist, how do you like to be broken up with? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, because it's so you know, uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I've had to break up with therapists in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and for sure I've had that. It hasn't worked out. First of all, I think that our our relationship with with our therapist is really a model for our relationships in general. So we should never ghost. Ghosting, I'm canceling ghosting culture and hustle culture. <laughs> you should never ghost. Don't ghost. Show up, and and it's hard, but write an email or you know jump on a phone call or jump on a Zoom, and and say you know what I really appreciate your time. But I've actually, I don't think this is working for me anymore. I really appreciate everything you've helped me with this far. And I don't think this is working. And very often the therapist will say, well, let's meet one more time. Let's talk about it. And that's your decision. Sometimes I've had this many times, but then you have to work through it. There's a misunderstanding or they're not feeling like they're making movement, right? Or they're not feeling better. And sometimes it's a conversation. And the therapist can only help you, right? I say this with people also, like, you can only meet yourself you can only meet others as deeply as you've met yourself. So if you don't allow your therapist in, there's only so much they can help you with. So whether you want to jump on that final, you know, it's called like a termination session, that final session and to talk about, you know, what's not working or or what's shifting, or maybe the, the therapist could help you find a referral, show up, let them know, thank you for your help. And I'm going to move on, or this isn't working for me. And if you try it again for two more sessions, it's not working. That's okay. It's your time. It's your money. Yeah. You can move on. But show up, you know, definitely. And they're used to it. I'm sure it happens all the time. Yeah. And I do think it for good therapists, you have to take your ego out of it. It's not about you, Mm -hmm. right? You're a healer. You're, this is a, you know, therapy is, is so, you know, I, I really love each of my clients and I I try to build that, that relationship, right? Obviously boundary, but you, you want to show up and it's so intimate in a way because you're, they're entrusting you with their life. And at the same time, a good therapist that keeps themselves in check. There's no ego involved. So it's not about me. It's about how can I be most helpful to you? So that's, that's so important yeah. to you. So trust your gut on that. If you're with a therapist that feels like their ego's in the way or they're personalizing or bringing it back to them, it's not about them. I think that's also a very important tip to end on is you can only get as much out of it as you put into it. So you can't expect your therapist to be a mind reader or a magician you have to be vulnerable and talk about what's really going on because they they don't know unless you tell them. And I think that's so, so, so important. It's like I've I have heard of people saying, you know, I just felt like I had nothing to talk about or I just, you know, kept having the same conversations every week. And it's like, you know what, like you probably weren't bringing enough into the session. They can't really know what they don't know. So I think that was a really a great tip just to be open. And by the way, sometimes even just saying, I'm scared to share this with you, or I, I feel very vulnerable right now, you know, and then just talking about it. What is your fear? If you share this with me, what is your fear that I'll judge you? Okay. Let's talk about that. Have you felt judged before? Yeah. Who in your life has judged you? Cause very often it's not about the therapist. It's about feeling judged by friends or family that then if they share with you, they're concerned. So again, I think I think experienced clinicians can pinpoint what it really is they're bringing in. 
It's not about that. My therapist has helped me so much with communication just through communicating with her. Like she'll call me out and be like, why don't you tell me that? Or like, do you not feel comfortable telling me that? Or did you think I was going to judge you? And like, I love that she just without hesitation will call me out and just ask me a question about, you know, our relationship as therapists and clients. So I, I've learned a lot through that as well. And now I'll just be like, you know, I caught myself. I didn't want to talk to you about this. And then I caught myself and I, I don't know why we could go on a whole tangent about like yeah. the therapist. And then you feel closer. Relationship. You yes. know, then you feel closer. Yes. And I, I too, I, you know, you could say call out or direct, but as you build a rapport, mm-hmm. as you build a relationship with your therapist client, you guys get to know each other, you know? So I'm able to say to my clients like, hmm, there's something going on. I see in your face, yeah. right? Like there's, and I love it. A- I love feeling like someone really knows me and like without judgment or any, I don't know, animosity or conflict, they can just be very direct in a helpful way. And I, I love it so much. Um, yeah. I could talk to you for so much longer. <laughs> this is so fun. In the interest of time, let's jump into fun facts and favorites really quickly. Um, what is your morning routine if you have one? Ooh, okay. My morning routine. Wow. I have a whole skincare routine, which is definitely a form of self-care. And I love music. So if you follow me on Instagram, I have a, every morning I start with the song of the day, S-O-T-D, because it's not just outfit of the day. Um, so my morning routine is I definitely get started with music. Alexa is my, uh, my girl. We get started. <laughs> she kicks my day off <laughs> in the right way. So I definitely start with music. And I always drink coffee with a straw. All my clients know. I always, that's my morning routine. <laughs> Um, yeah, music, coffee, and I actually, I do try to meditate just for, even if it's three minutes, feet on the ground, taking a breath before walking out the door, stepping into New York City, um, starting there with a breath, a song, coffee with a straw, for sure. Love it. Okay. What is your favorite book or podcast, whichever one you use more? (laughs) Mm, Okay. So many. Um, my current podcast I love is, um, the self healer soundboard. It's, um, incredible, incredible. It's, um, the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicola Perra. Excellent. Mm -hmm. All about healing, evolving versions, healing from trauma, childhood, anything you've moved through. And just really, it just focuses on just being the healthiest, best version of you and all, and all that. Um, Books, I love anything written by Brene Brown. Um, she's incredible. So many. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that podcast for sure. Yes. Um, okay, when do you feel your happiest? I feel my happiest when I'm kind to myself. I feel my happiest oh, when I use that word embodied, but when I'm just, my mind is quieter and I'm just present. Our minds could take us to like the worst places. We're the worst producers of our own movies, you know? It's like we create this whole narrative of how others perceive us or how we're perceived, and it's totally not based on reality. So when we're allowed ourselves to just be present without an agenda, that's definitely when when I'm my calmest, happiest, best version of me. That's beautiful. I love that. Okay, what would be your last meal on earth? Oh, my gosh glass of white wine, Mm -hmm. 
cooked salmon avocado sushi roll, and definitely a big 16 handles frozen yogurt. Wow. Three of my favorite Perfect. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Where can the people find you? Are you taking clients? What's your Instagram? All of the things. Yes. Follow me on Instagram. Message me. Instagram. My Instagram page is like my, that's my happy place. I know social media, we all need it <laughs> boundaried, but it's really just a place of just connection and, and depth. So my handle is um, Ariella, A-R-I-E-L-L-A-A-Z-A-R-A-F-L-C-S-W. So it's my name, Ariella Azaroff, L-C-S-W. Um, my website is my name, ariellahazaroffLCSW.com. If you don't have social media, I respect that. And my name, LCSW at gmail.com. So I'm very accessible. Um I actually am expanding my private practice at the end of the summer. So I don't currently have availability, but at the end of August, I will have a few more slots. So find me, connect with me, message me. Perfect. Well, this was incredible. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jen. This was so fun. Such an amazing conversation, truly. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would so appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and definitely subscribe so that you don't miss another insightful episode. You can also engage with the community on the Dare to Self Care podcast Instagram. So definitely join us all there. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.